Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Praise God. How's everybody doing? If you can make your way in and find your seat, we'll go ahead and get started tonight. We'll give some folks just a moment. First of all, I want to take a moment and just uh, tell you how much I appreciate y'all coming. We welcome you coming out tonight. It's not as cold as last week. Boy, last week was really cold. Um, Man, that wind that blew, that made it even worse, didn't it? Also, we want to say uh, how much we appreciate those joining us online today. We're very glad for you and that you're here. Amen. Looking forward to tonight. Looking forward to what God's going to do. So why don't we just take a moment and open up in a word of prayer if we can. Father, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, and Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Father, we pray as we open our hearts that you would plant your word into our hearts, that it would grow and bear fruit, God, that it would change us and rearrange us and help us and strengthen us and all that it is intended to do. And Father, we just give you the glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week, we began just this little three-week series, and we started by looking at a verse, and we're going to look at it again just for a moment, because we really do need to remind ourselves of this, and it's something that I think that we should probably remind ourselves on a regular basis. How many know that human beings, I, I don't know about you, but I know about me as a human being, I often have to be reminded of things, and like, hey, don't, don't forget, you know, it's like... I know some stuff, it's like we learned it in kindergarten, but it's like don't cut in line. It's like sometimes we need to be reminded because we have a tendency to want to cut in line. Don't, I know you at Walmart, you're always gracious, but you know what, somewhere, sometimes it's like this line's going way too slow and I want to get ahead, amen. Or, or you know what, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all, right? We, sometimes we have to be reminded of that, right? You know, and sometimes what we have to be reminded of is the spiritual things that we've learned through life. And, and sometimes we think, well, that's just basic stuff. Yes, it's basic, but it is uh, uh, extremely important to our daily walk with Jesus. And that's, one, that's what this series is really about, and that's what I think this verse captures. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, It says, you have heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are, and this is Jesus speaking. So he's, Jesus, I love Jesus. He kind of always ups the ante, doesn't he? Just about the time we think we got it together. He goes, oh, by the way. He says, but I say, if you're angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the high council. I'm thinking we're going to establish a high council. How about that? <laughs> Anybody want to sign up for that job? <laughs> Amen. Be careful. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. 
The amazing thing about this to me is the fact that God is talking about, he's talking about two things. One, he's talking about our relationship and, with him and how it operates. And he's talking about our relationship with others. And he says, look at these are equally important. They really are in your Christian walk. And he goes so far to say, he says, if you remember that you have ought with your brother or something's going on, if there's some discord or some problem, he says, I'll be patient. Leave your gift at the altar. Go take care of that first and then come back and do business with me. And so what is he saying? He's in effect saying that there are some things in this life that are more important than the altar. Amen. And, you know, when we look at this and when we really pay attention, we figure out pretty quickly that relationship is at the heart of the gospel. How we function in relationship with God and man is paramount in our Christian walk. And, you know, the reality is it is the context of everything. Oftentimes, I, I do a lot of counseling. You guys know that. That's been part of my ministry for a lot of years. And I tell people that when I counsel, I counsel in the context of relationship. So part of what I'm doing in the counseling effort is to build a relationship. Because I learned a long time ago, you can only speak into somebody's life as far as you have relationship with them. I can give you tons of advice, and I've done it. I've pumped out tons of advice to people I have no relationship with, and it really kind of just is like water that's beating up on a car that's been freshly waxed. Not because I'm bad or they're bad or there's some problem. It's because relationship is the context in which we speak to one another. It's the context of how we relate. It's all, if, if, take a cursory read through the Bible and see how much God talks about relationship, not only with him, but with each other. Can you say amen? Relationship is the, con is the context for evangelism, discipleship, growth, maturity, marriage, parenting, integrity, building a church, and on and on and on. And all of them are done best in the middle of a relationship. Consider what our text is telling us. He says, when you go to worship, bring your gift to the altar, which is an important part of our relationship with the Father. Even though we don't worship at altars made by man's hands, we, we worship at an altar in our heart. Can you say amen? We can make an altar anywhere, in our home, in our car, in our church, at school. Hey, when I was, a, when I was working for Cotter & Company, the True Value warehouse, I was loading trucks, and there was times I had to go into the bathroom and make an altar. Amen. And just pray, because what was happening is there was a lot of people around me trying to pull me in a direction, and I needed the help of God, and I needed to go somewhere where I could get a hold of God for a minute. So that's making an altar, and it's at the altar that we have our relationship with God. But God says your relationship with, this, with each other is so important that if you realize that there's a defect in one of those relationships, then put me on hold for a minute. I'll wait. I'm going nowhere. I'm pretty patient. I got all the time in the world. He says, you go fix that thing, go work on that relationship, be reconciled with your brother, and then come offer your gift. 
That's what he's saying. The measure, how we, the measure of how we love God is seen by how much we love others. I remember years ago, back in the 80s, this is a long time ago, there was a really good rock and roll Christian, Christian rock and roll band called Resurrection Band, Res Band. Now, I forget the lead singer's name, Bill Wood, Glenn Kaiser. Glenn Kaiser was also quite a preacher. And at his concerts, he would get up and preach. And one time, Bill had made me a, 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 a CD of, of Res Band, and it was during one of their live concerts. And so the altar call was on there. And so Glenn gets preaching, and he says, the way you love your neighbor the most is the way you love God the least. I thought, wow. And you know what? All you have to do is take a moment and go look in 1 John, and it talks about you cannot hate your brother and love God. You can't do it. You cannot be in a place knowing, knowing that there is a defect in this relationship and just simply sweep it under the carpet, ignore it as if it's not there, and be right with God. That's heavy, isn't it? Boy, did you feel that? Did you, is everybody's going through the list right now. It's like, whoa. Now, I understand. Now, I'm not a novice in this. I understand there are some relationships that are unrepairable, not because we don't want it repaired, but they don't want it repaired. I understand there are some people that have passed on and there's nothing we can do. I understand there are dynamics that, that uh, are at work in some situations that prevent us from completely repairing it. But that's the power of forgiveness, though. See, because I can forgive at any stage of this game. I can release and make it right in me, even if the other one is not able or unwilling to make it right. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So tonight, I want to take this a little bit further about love and forgiveness. And I, I, I want you to look at because we're going to talk about walking in brotherly love but we're going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle. So look at Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, 9 through 12, and we're going to read from the New American Standard Bible. It says, says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Now listen to that same scripture from the New Living Translation. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but hard, working hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in, our com rejoice in our confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. That's powerful. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard for those who profess to be Christians to behave like Christians. We try to carry our cross, don't we? But if someone crosses us, we tend to lose our composure and behave in much the same way the rest of the world behaves. You say, how do you know that? There is a new invention. It's been around, I don't know, maybe 
I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years. I don't know how long it's been around. It's called Facebook. And it has become a picture window with magnifying principles to the lens into your life. People often ask me, why don't you post anything? I do. My grandchildren. I post my little kids. Or sometimes I'll, you know, smile or give a thumbs up or, you know, you might post something and I'll say, hey, that's great and all of that. But I stay away from a lot of that. I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to. Now, if I'm eating a live lizard, I'll probably post that because it's interesting. <laughs> but if I'm just having, you know, if I'm just at JB's, oh, JB's, wow, that was a blast from the past. If I'm at Denny's, if I'm at Denny's eating a Grand Slam, I'm probably not taking a picture and showing you what I'm eating. You don't need to know how many pancakes I eat a day. Right? And certainly, if I have a problem with you, I am not going to air the details of that problem online, on Facebook, because all you're doing is garnering a side. You're want, you, what you have become, <laughs> oh man, I really feel froggy today. Do it, Larry, can I do it? All you've become is addicted to sympathy. You just want somebody to feel bad for you. <laughs> and so what you do is you, 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 oh, well, who is me? I've had it so bad. It's been so, now look it. I think we should testify. But there's a difference between a testimony and a bragamony. I was so rotten. You want to know how rotten I was? I was more rotten than the rotten twins. I was rotten to the core. I was so rotten, I had nothing left. It was all rotten, rotten, rotten. I was rotten, and then Jesus came. No, no, Jesus is so good. He is great. He is wonderful. He's alive, and he saved me and set me free because I was rotten. Do you see the difference? We need to brag about him. This is going in a little different direction. We need to brag about him. The problem is, is what we do is we, we get out there because it is addictive. I get it, and I know I'm on Facebook. Come on. I'm not trying to, I really am not trying to meddle. But I, I get it because I've put stuff out there just to see. I wonder how many people are going to like this. How many people actually like me? Uh, not many. I got 5,000 friends. Nobody likes me, though. I got friends in Africa I've never met. I got friends all over the world. Because one friend connected with another friend, connected with another friend, connected with another friend, and people are out there just collecting friends, and they thought they'd collect me. So somewhere we have to be careful. Can you say Amen. Why? Because it's affecting our relationship. It's hurting us. The Bible teaches us that we are to be a people who exercise love in all our relationships with one another. Listen to the words, Matthew 5, 43 through 44. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, here's Jesus doing that thing where he's going to up the ante a little bit. 
But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those that hate you. And pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. Think about this for a moment. Love your enemy. Who is an enemy? An enemy is anyone you perceive to be against you. He says that person, love them. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I remember, funny story, I remember years ago, there was a guy in our church, uh, he's a pastor now, he pastors in Texas, and uh, Mitch Thurman. Mitch, uh, in, in the early years when I first came to this church in 1984, uh, Mitch was here and he kind of befriended me and so we became fast friends and buddies and one day he comes home from work and I was over at his house and he says, man, I have had a bad day, a bad day. He said, I got fired from my job. And I said, why? He goes, because I had to, I just told my boss off. I said, what happened? And he says, well, he says, uh, he goes, I, you know, he goes, I, I'm a, I spray for bugs. I'm a guy that sprays for bugs. So we go out to this trailer out in Butler. And he says, somebody had to go underneath the trailer to inspect to see if there's bugs under there. And well, he goes, I'm low man on him totem pole. He said, so I pulled the access way out and I'm on my hands and knees and I'm looking in there. I got my flashlight like this and I can see cobwebs with black widows in it. And he says, I'm, I'm thinking, how am I gonna get past this? And he says, and then my boss kicks me in the butt and shoves me in. He says, I came out of there and I told him, what for? He goes, I read him the riot act and blah, blah, blah. And he said, he fired me. And, he, and, and then he quoted this scripture. He says, I know God told me to live peaceably with all men as far as it is possible. He says, it was no longer possible. <laughs> now, you know what? I understand there are times when we have to make a stand. I get it. But you can make a stand in love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What Jesus is doing in these verses is he's telling us, look at, this really is important and it depends on you. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. All of these verses are saying the same thing. Love one another. It's difficult. It's hard. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's, it's impossible, but we have to strive for that. Can you say amen? Now, here's the problem. In spite of what we know about Scripture and what it says about walking in love and honor and grace, we tend to struggle with a very real strategy from hell when it comes to loving our neighbor and showing them honor and extending grace. Our tendency is to walk in fear, anger, and offense. And that's what I want you to pay attention to for a little while. Offenses, Jesus says, will come. So look at Luke 17, 1 through 5. It says, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea that he, should, uh, that, that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. <clears throat> and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. 
That was a tough one for the apostles, right? The, these guys were like, man, <coughs> I don't know exactly what you want from us here, but that's pretty tough. But there's some things that are being said here. He's talking about off- being offended. Yeah, my experience is, is if you put more than one person in a room, at some point in time, somebody's getting offended. <laughs> Somebody. Gonna, somebody's going to say something, somebody's going to do something, there's going to be a bump, a nudge, who knows? There'll be something that happens and somebody's going to get offended. Well, you have a decision to make at that point. Are you going to let the spirit of offense run your life or are you going to overcome offense? Now listen to me, offense is one of the most deadly and destructive traps believers can ever face because the snare is both hidden and baited. That means for the majority of Christians, they are completely unaware of the lure that is pulling them deeper and deeper into the grip of this corrosive and confining trap. Are you hearing me? See, the Greek word for offense in this verse is referring to the part of a trap where the bait was attached. How many know you ever seen a mouse trap and there's that little flap, that little lever, that's where you put the peanut butter or the cheese or whatever. That little thing in the Greek means offense. That's the, that's the part. That's the part of the trap that's called offense. And Jesus is telling us that offense is a hidden booby trap baited to draw you in. And let me tell you, he's got your number. Because he knows exactly what will offend you. He knows what will get your goat. He does. He knows exactly, he knows exactly how to phrase it. Because he's been paying attention. Offenses come to you as a friend. That's what offense does. That's what the spirit of offense will do, is it'll come to you and go, look at there's no one that understands you like me. I know exactly how you feel. You and you alone are the only one in this church that really gets it. All them other people, they're far beneath you in maturity. And I know, you know, you really get what's going on. And you deserve to feel the way you do. And I'm going to be your buddy. And it feels good. Oh, I'm telling you, you know what I'm talking about. You felt it. You've heard those words. You went, you know, know, I think you're right. I don't think anybody actually knows how I feel. Furthermore, I, I don't think anybody really even cares how I feel. In fact, I think those people are so blinded, they couldn't know how I feel. And the devil's just standing there going, he's in the trap now. Off we go. And then you, he doesn't even have to do anything anymore. Your imagination will take over. I've had it happen. I remember back in the day, there was times when Pastor Howard would make me really mad. I'd be offended. And I'd be sitting in the Sunday service, sitting in my chair that was my chair. That was my, that's my chair. And I'm sitting in my chair. But the whole time in my head, I'm going through a scenario of how I'm going to get even with him. Well, I can't fight him because he's way too strong. I can't do that. But you know what? I can get a gun. 
And you know what? I'll go target practice. I got patience. I'll go learn how to become a sharpshooter. And you know what? He won't even hear the report of the bullet when it hits him. And then in my mind, I'm going, oh, dear God, now I'm running for my life. I'm a murderer. And I'm running. And, I'm, and somehow I end up in Mexico City on the lam, living on the street, running from the federalities, federalities because you know what? Somewhere I've killed poor Howard. And you know what's going on, dear God? And please bow your head. I've missed the whole service. I have been in Mexico City surviving hiding out from the federalities, or however you say it, the Mexican police, running for my life, eating rats, starving. I haven't seen my wife in a couple of years now. And she's probably remarried by now because who, who wants to be married to a fat murderer? I don't want that. My kids have disowned me. I'm all by myself. And I never left the building. And if I had Facebook back then, I would have told you my story. (laughs) Holy mackerel. (laughs) Here's the great tragedy. Offenses become as common as the air we breathe. See, we're living right now with all this politically crap, crap, politically correct crap. I know, Alex, see, Alex is looking at me like, oh my God. How many agree that it's, never mind, don't say it. I'll be offended if you don't raise your hand. You know what? We're all offended. We're all offended. And what happens is we get our little tiny thing And then we go off and we make it some big thing and we got to be politically correct. You know what we really need to do is just grow up and not be so offended and just get over it. We live in a society that's lost its grip on some very important landmarks. The world is largely insensitive, disrespectful, disrespectful, selfish, rude. We've lost the ability to honor, to respect. We've lost manners. Selfishness has become the norm, and unfortunately, it's crept into the church. And unfortunately, as a result, we become enormous, enormously vulnerable to being offended. See, offense has some deadly consequences. See, offense breeds resentment, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred, jealousy, envy. Offense thrives in an an environment of self-pity and pride and insecurity. Offense renders its victims vulnerable to attack, miserable and exhausted. Offense leaves in its wake pain, division, separation, broken relationships and betrayal. Offense generates an atmosphere of slander, backbiting and gossip. Offense builds critical and judgmental attitudes in the lives of those offended. Offense creates physical, mental, and emotional problems. Offense grieves the Holy Spirit and quenches the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And offense will hinder God's plan and leave us held captive in a self-imposed prison of hostility. Think about this for a moment. The disciples had witnessed 
great and wonderful miracles. I mean, these guys, they watched in amazement as blind eyes were opened, the sick were healed, the deaf heard for the first time, you know, life-threatening storms were brought to stillness. He fed 5,000 one time, 4,000 another time. They witnessed miracle after miracle after miracle, so marvelous that words can't even describe them all. Yet never before had they ever heard anything so overwhelming as and that was so challenging to their faith as that somehow we need to forgive our brother. Listen to it again. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Actually, that, that word rebuke is really kind of a poor word for our generation. That word literally means instruct, to teach. It's to go to him and show him, say, look, this is what happened. So let me give you a perfect example. So if my wife and I are in a situation where I say something offensive to her or she says something offensive to me, we stop and say, hey, listen, what you just said really hurt me. I know you didn't mean to hurt me, but that, that hurts. So now we know, and we can back off it. It's called brave communication. And somewhere what we do is we stop and we go, wait a second, my relationship with you is far more important than my desire to stay in this offense because it feels good. And so he says, if they sin against you, forgive them. And if he does it seven times in a day, seven times in a day, he says, I repent, then forgive him every time. They said, Lord, increase our faith. These men were challenged, weren't they? And I imagine we're challenged. I know I am. I've been offended over the years, and I've had to work on it. There are things that have taken me calendar years to work out. I've had to work it out because, it's, because I'm the only one paying the price. I'm the one paying the price. No one else is. So how do we overcome the... Spirit of offense. My mic going off here. How we can um, uh, fix this. Romans 12, 9 and 10. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Our text. So in other words, don't let it be fake. Really love. Really. Go back and look at the love chapter and ask yourself, am I doing that? Am I walking in that to my best of my ability? Abhor what is evil. Truly hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. But then here's the thing that's so key. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Think about that for a moment. He wants us to be genuine and authentic pure and sincere, without pretense. Isn't that what he's saying? Often in the church setting, because we intellectually know or mentally know the right things to do, we can be hypocritical because there's no heart in it. It becomes hollow, shallow, weak, and ultimately fake. And this becomes the seedbed for the offense. 
the strife, the division, the hurt, the struggle, and the derailing of God's plan. You know, my wife um, read uh, a while back, this couple years ago, read a book on the Azusa Street revival, how it came to be and how it ended. And in that book, I think there was a couple things, but there was one particular story that stood out to me that she, she shared with me is towards the end of the revival when things were really, really cranking, they decided that they, need to pu- they needed to publicize what was going on. Their attempt was honorable. They wanted to steward the te- testimony. They wanted to let other people know of the goodness of God, what's happening. And so they decided to put some sort of magazine together. And in the, in the midst of putting this magazine together, a couple of the people got arguing over the layout and how it was going to be put together. And shortly thereafter, things began to wane. It began to die down. Why? Because we're supposed to walk in love. We walk in honor. We need to honor one another. We need to respect one another. Paul tells us to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Be kindly affectionate to one another. In other words, we take the time that says, look, I am, I'm in. I want to be devoted to you. I want to be kindly affectionate to you. I've told people often because sometimes um, because of the nature of what I do, sometimes I can get this, it's a bad habit that I've got to break and I'm working on it, but I could get this tunnel vision going. And sometimes I can walk by people without noticing them. It's not intentional, it's not what I want to do, and it is a failing, it's a weakness on my part that I'm working on. But I've told people, if you will shove me or say, hey you, or hey fatty, or whatever, you'll get my attention, and somewhere what I'll do is I'll stop, it'll snap me out and I'll go, oh, oh, hey, hi, because I want to be affectionate, I want to be kind, I want that, I want to do that. My nature, my my, my, my personal nature is I tend to like to hide, okay? But I know that's not right. And so I try to get out as much as I can, get out and get around and doing that and, 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 and getting fellowshipping with people and touching base. But if you ever want to talk to me, you come, just come. It's okay. You can walk in. I, the rule of thumb is if the office door is closed, that's mean it's private. If it's open, walk in. So, well, what if there's 15 other people in there? Walk in. They all did. <laughs> right? And so somewhere along the line, all you have to do is just give me a shove and say, hey, wake up. Oh, I'm awake. Yes. I do it to my wife. I get, I'm, not, I'm not a morning person. Is, I don't know if you, you know. And so the other day we, we were watching this. I forget even what show it was. And the husband gets up and looks at his wife and says, good morning, beautiful and Kathy just looked at me, and I went, okay, all right, got it. I got it. I got it. And so the next morning, I get up, and she's, she's usually almost completely ready by the time I'm getting to the shower. And I usually brush my teeth first, and then I, get, and I turn the hot water on, you know, to get it going. Well, today, I walk in there, I brush my teeth. I didn't say nothing. She didn't say nothing. And I get to the shower, I turn it on, and I realized and I turned around and I said, good morning. Now, the other day, I actually said, good morning, beautiful, right? Come on, give me credit, man. Don't, don't be, you, you get loud on everything else. You got to get loud on that one. 
But she turned around today, this morning, she turned around and she went, oh, hey, good morning. Okay, that's enough of that right there. I'm, I'm getting in the shower. Leave me alone. I don't know. There are limits here. But sometimes it just, I, you know, we all have, all of us have our, all of us are weird. Have you ever watched yourself in a mirror? Go take a good look. We're weird. We've got little idiosyncrasies and weirdnesses and tics and things that we do. And, and to some people, it's downright frustrating. First Peter 1.22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. It's amazing to me, and I'm going to kind of speed this up here. It's amazing to me how often God puts the adjectives like devoted, fervent, enthusiastic, passionate to describe the kind of love and affection that we are not only to have for him, but for one another. So why is this so important? It's so important because we're a family. We're a family. We're going to spend eternity together. Now, I know when we get to heaven, the good news is, is all the weird little ticks and stuff will be gone. Hopefully. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> We're going to have to get her a mic so I can hear what she's saying. <laughs> but the reality is we're a family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we are to be connected. We're the body of Christ. Okay. And we are meant to function and fellowship together. We are stronger together than we are apart. The synergism of our unity way, infinitely outweighs our individual additive gifting. We can have our gifting and we can add it all up, but it will never equal what we, are, what we can be when we're in unity when we come together. And when we talk about things like, when we talk about things like in terms of the supernatural and revival and seeing souls saved and people being transformed and reach, restore, release and all of those things, all of those things really get hindered when the body is chewing on itself. Amen? Have you ever bit your lip? It's a drag, isn't it? I mean, y'all bit your tongue. You know, it's like, holy cow, that hurts. Bad. But in some ways, that's what the body of Christ is doing. It's biting the other members. And we're a part of each other. Somewhere what we have to do is learn to celebrate our differences and honor our similarities. It, imagine, just imagine, if everybody was the same. It would be a pretty boring, flat, nondescript, 
scary thing. God loves variety. And sometimes, sometimes, I believe, that when God brings people into your life that tend to work on you and on your frustration, God is saying, I'm trying to work something out in you. Why? Because it makes you a better person. It will make you more effective for him. Can you say amen? So how do we do this? How, how, do, we, how do we actually put this together? A couple things. Number one, these are pretty basic. Number one, pray for the Spirit's power. The reality is, in some cases, in some ways, really doing this and pulling this off, we're going to need Holy Spirit power. We're going to need God. We're going to need Him to help us. Because we are human, and things do frustrate us. They do aggravate us. Things do get on our nerves. And in order to walk through them and to get over them and to get through them, we really need God's power. And we need to pray, say, God, help me. Help me to be the kind of friend I want. Help me to be the kind of person that I want to be and I want people to be toward me. Help me to be the person you want me to be so that I can be effective in your kingdom. So we need to pray for the Holy Spirit's power. Then secondly, we need to focus on the heavenly reality of God's mercies. The interesting verse of Scripture in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The thing that I have come to realize is that oftentimes the things that we struggle with is the residue of the world that's left over in our life. See, the Bible tells us that when we get saved, we, we die with Christ. The old man died. Look it up, Romans chapter 6. He died. He was buried with Christ, and the new man was resurrected in life. He said, well, why do I struggle? Because you are still relating to the old man. You are still looking to him for guidance. And so the residue of that is still affecting you. And so what Jesus is telling us, the mercy that he gives us is that we can have our minds transformed by the, it can, they can be renewed and we can bring about transformation. Amen. We can change by the renewing of our mind. I find, and it's taken a long time to get this into my life, but I find that a disciplined uh, daily intake of the Word of God Amen. helps me immensely. It helps me. Even reading, and I, and I get it, I, I've just finished the law in the Old Testament. I just read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I'm in Joshua, coming towards the end of Joshua. And that's about, other than Genesis, the rest are about the most tedious reading you'll ever read in your life. God's talking about what color a thread. He's talking about how to make the flaps on the tent. He's talking about all the utensils and how to, and, 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 it, and when God, you would think, you, this, this, I've asked God this. So when he wants to talk about a fork, he'll tell you how to design the fork and how to overlay it and do all the silver and gold. But then he goes to the spoon and he tells you the exact same thing. It's how about, give us the code for all the silverware. Why do I have to hear it nine times? You know, and God's just, keep reading. Shut up. Keep reading. 
okay. I keep reading. Then we get to the, we get to the begats. Who cares? I don't care who begat who until I want to know who begat who. But there's something alive in it. And you know what it does? Is somehow it transforms my thinking. So when I am in a state, and when I'm in a place where normally I would be mean and sarcastic, and the, the other day I had a, a perfect example. Perfect. I got called up to the hospital to go pray for somebody up in ICU. So I go into the hospital, the first station. The security guard took my temperature, asked me all the questions, had my mask on. I go in and I go to another station. Now there's a young man there. He's probably about 22 years old, just a young guy. He's got a paper. It's a it's a waiver of uh, it's a waiver of it's to indemnify the the hospital. And he says, "Do you?" <laughs> this is the question. Do you know there are sick people in this hospital? <laughs> now, I'm not joking. And I went, "What?" All, all 56 years, I thought this is where they housed the doctors. And the kid, and the kid, and the kid, and, I, and I'm feeling, God's going, shut up. And I'm, I'm being, you know, I'm being sarcastic. And he goes, sign this paper because we don't want you suing us if you get sick. And I said, I am well aware of the risk. Been taking it a long time. And God's like, you seriously. You really just need to shut up. And I did. I shut up and I went, look, dude, I'm just, I just, I'm messing with you. I said, I get it. Let me sign this for you here. Not a problem. Uh, I won't hold you or anyone else responsible, I promise. And I, yes, I do know there's people really suffering here and I get it. And I get what you're doing. And I even looked at him and go, I appreciate you. I appreciate you're doing this job. And then I went on because God had to tell me to shut up twice. But see, when, when we read the Word, maybe I ought to read more. I, I, but when we read the Word, that, see, that, that stuff, I don't know that I would have heard shut up. I would have just went, you know, here we go. Here's this politically correct nonsense and, you know, people, you know, sue happy and on and on and on. And I would have just had my little fit and looked like an idiot. Right? But when you read the word, there's something that transpires. You're transformed. Are you hearing me? Number three, remember Christian love is a growing thing. It's growing. You will never be perfected until you enter eternity. Second Thessalonians 1.3 says this, We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, as it is fit, fitting because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. That ought to be our goal, that our faith and our love is increasing. It's growing. It's abounding. We should put ourselves there. We should actually look for ways to love one another. Once again, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done here because we're almost to the last one, but I'm going to tell you another story. When I was in college, I was, believe it or not, I was in a music group. I went to Central Michigan University, and my parents were living in Kingman, and I was in Michigan, and I don't have any brothers or sisters, so I was pretty lonely, and I lived in a five-man dorm, and the other four guys were just absolute heathen, 
And so I started looking for a place to go to find fellowship, and I ended up getting invited to come to this music group, this choir. It was a 50-member choir, and they actually traveled around Michigan on the weekends singing in various churches. <clears throat> well, if you know anything about me, I cannot carry a tune in a dump truck. And so they, uh, they, they, they didn't even audition me. They just put me in the bass section. <clears throat> and I think the reason why is because the basses had the least amount to sing, and it was, most of them were so overpowering you couldn't hear me anyway. And so I remember standing next to this one guy. He was a junior. He was, yeah, he was a junior. I was a freshman. And <clears throat> one day he leans over and he goes, you really can't sing, can you? <laughs> I said, no. I said, I didn't come here for the singing. I came for the fellowship. Um, but one of the things that happened was in that group, um, uh, I kind of became the, the pseudo-spiritual guide, I guess, this weirded out thing, because I had been in Christianity a long time, and a lot of these students were very new. So I, I was maybe four or five steps ahead in the Word of God, and so oftentimes I was talking with them and sharing the Word with them and different things. Well, there, uh, one of the things that happened in the second semester is everybody started getting really ornery, and people were, you know, it was a lot of bickering and fighting and calling names and all of this, and so Ed McCallum, who is our choir director, got on the bus. We were heading out to Petoskey, Michigan. And uh, it's probably about a four-hour drive from where we were. And uh, he says, look it. He goes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a deal with you. This weekend, let's see who can, be, who can give the most compliments. And he says, uh, he says whoever wins this, this thing, he says, I'll take them to the Embers. The Embers was a restaurant in Mount Pleasant. Do you remember? Yeah, and it was a very expensive, fancy restaurant. At least it was very expensive for college students. We went to the clock, not the embers. You remember the clock? Okay, so clock was like a low-end Denny's. Anyway, and so, we, so we, we all started. And so we're on this bus, and people, you know how we started? We would walk up and go, wow, the soles of your shoes are awesome. You know, I'm amazed that your ears are level on your head. I am so thankful that you don't have a twitching eye. You know, just really stupid, stupid stuff. And it started off funny, and it was. At first, it was funny, and at first, it was like everybody was coming up with these really off-the-wall compliments. But as the weekend progressed because that was Friday, and we weren't going to be home until Sunday night. As the weekend progressed, the compliments got more and more genuine and more and more sincere to where people by Sunday night were saying, you know what, you're awesome, man. I'm so glad you're in this group, and I'm so glad I got to know you. I'm so glad I could call you my friend. And I don't know who won. Somebody won and got to go to the embers, but... The reality is, is Ed was on to something. And what he was on to is that this kind of thing, brotherly love, faith, and all that, need to be growing. And it needs to be intentional. And the same in a church. Can you say amen? And finally, as I bring this to a close, understand differences are golden opportunities for love. You know, so, so many times I, 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 this is something that I see a lot is that when somebody comes in that's just a little bit different, 
They're a little bit, they walk to a beat of a different drummer or they have a, a different flavor or a different taste or a different viewpoint. It's not that they're wrong. It's just they're different. And oftentimes, I see that as being a signal to attack. What we need to do is we need to see that as a signal to love and to say, hey, man, I really like the unique way you see life. I like the fact that you walk to the beat of a different drummer. But, you know, and please don't misunderstand, providing that it's, we're not talking about something that's sinful or something that's anti-Christ or anti-God or, or, or you know, blatant in the face of, of what we believe about Christianity. I'm talking about matters of taste. I'm talking about matters of personality. I'm talking about matters of, of desire and how we look at things and how we see things, how we approach life, how we look at, at, at doing different things. You know, in high school, it was always, in high school, it's always so vicious because if you're not, everybody's wanting to be the individual, but there is such a great undercurrent of homogenation. You, you understand? Is, is everybody, I just want to stand out in the crowd as long as everybody else is standing out like me. Because the moment we stand out in a crowd, then we get attacked, so we need to have a buddy. And so we try to pull as many people in by attacking people that are different. We need to celebrate differences. And we need to love people that are different. You know, when revival begins to unfold in this place, we are going to see people that are very different. There's going to be people that have tattoos all over their body. So what? And they may go get more. They may actually go get a tattoo that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And they may put it on their forehead. Weirder things have happened. I know people that would actually think, that's cool. They, I know people that would go, man, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I've always told Kathy, I'm going to get a tattoo. It's going to be a great big pumpkin. Right here. But you know what? The point is, people are going to come in and they're going to walk to a beat of a different drummer. They're going to be a little bit different. Some of it's going to be because they got a lot of world on them. And look at the best way to get the world off them is to love it off. If you, go, if you come up and just slam dunk people, they won't stay. Not in, that, that may have worked in a day gone by. It will not work today. Okay, we have to love people, and we have to love one another. Does all this make sense today? And so the whole thing, coming from forgiveness last week into offense today, making sure that we're walking in that forgiveness, but more so that we are literally walking in that affection and love for one another and honor. Next week, we're going to finish this up, and that's what I'm going to talk about. It's been a progression. Next week, we're going to talk about honor in the church, okay? And so I just want you to get this. And so we're going to go ahead and close. I can do a couple questions, and then we'll let you out of here. If there's anybody got a question, I can, I can do a couple questions and let you get out of here. Or we could just pray and cut a trail. Going once, going twice, we're praying. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word, and we thank you, Lord, that you are guiding us and helping us, and you are teaching us how to walk in righteousness. Father, help us to be the kind of people that really do love one another and walk in affection. God, help us to celebrate differences and, and, and to embrace people that are a little bit different than us, God. Father, we, we welcome you into this whole situation, God. Lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Great night, actually. Hey, remember Super Bowl this weekend, right in here. It's going to be awesome. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.